what is up kingdom family and welcome back to cultivate kingdom with kingdom cultivators and your girl your host evangelist renee michelle welcome to episode one y'all i am super excited we are actually on episode one and that may seem cheesy and chintzy to some people that we are on episode one but let me tell you all this has been a long time coming I was supposed to do start a podcast like a long time ago and you know when you really don't want to do something that's how you know it's God because you really just don't want to do it so you keep running away from it and making excuses not to do it until um, you know the Lord sends you somebody that is relentless and won't let you give up on your own dreams and your own passions and your own desires and your own assignment yeah, he sent me one of those, and she has been truly a blessing. So um, shout out to my girl, Lilac Calandra, who prayerfully will be on future episodes with me um, in interview style. Um, just an amazing mind in God. Um, so hey, listen, if you haven't already, I would encourage you all to go ahead and not just listen to the podcast, but if you would, subscribe to the podcast. Um, I don't know what the schedule is actually going to be. I don't know if we're going to do these weekly yet or if we are going to do them bi-weekly or monthly or what. I have not decided and mapped out a plan, so we're going to go with the whimsical style for now. Um, but I'm praying that at least bi-weekly bi we'll get these um, podcasts done and get them out to you because I am loaded with information and need a place to empty and pour and share and cultivate. Um, so I'm excited to be doing this. I'm excited to be with you all. I thank you all for joining and listening um, to the podcast. Share it with your friends. Share it with your family. Follow me on all the socials at Kingdom Cultivators everywhere on Facebook, on um, Instagram, on Twitter, on LinkedIn, all of the social platforms, and soon YouTube. Keep me in prayer because I don't want to do that either. So anyways, it's episode one, you guys, and I thought, what better way to start um, than with story time? and a brief introduction, or as brief as I can make it, so that you know a little bit about who Nae Michelle is, and what my ministry is about, and what Kingdom Cultivators is about, and how it actually came to fruition. So we're going to go back in time, take a little trip with me back in time, for those of you that are old enough to remember, because um, I'm definitely no spring chicken. Um, we're going to go back to the 1980s. You remember the 1980s, back when the puffy uh, bubble vests were cool and Back to the Future was out. Right, way, way back to the 80s. Uh, Aquanet hairspray and boom boxes. <laughs> way back then, when I was uh, probably a little girl um, then. I was a little girl then. And um, I always really always, always had a heart for quote-unquote lost folk, right? Lost people, folks that struggle, um, folks that were sick, people that were homeless and displaced, people with addictions, people with mental illnesses. Um, those always seem to be my favorite people. And I'm from Massachusetts. I still live in Massachusetts and more specifically very close to the Boston area. And in fact, I grew up in Boston. And this was back in the day in the 80s when we used to have a local place called Downtown Crossing. 
And if you're from Boston, then you know what Downtown Crossing is, and I don't have to explain it. But if you're not, Downtown Crossing was almost like an urban hub. Um, it's very different now. It's been gentrified. Um, but it was an urban hub full of businesses and department stores. It was kind of an outdoor mall, if you will, before there were actually outdoor malls, right? So you would go in one store and come out and go in the next. Um, and across the street from there, it, there was a great big park. It was called the Public Gardens. And I don't know if we still call it the Public Gardens, um, but that's what we called it back then. It was the Public Gardens. And I remember my mother would take me to Downtown Crossing and we'd go and have like a little girl's day and we'd do some shopping. Um, and there were outdoor vendors like of all kinds, selling food and trinkets and all of those things. So we'd do our shopping um, and there was a Jordan Marsh there and that was exciting um, because, the, you know, Jordan Marsh and their window displays was always neat. So we'd spend time looking in the windows at Jordan Marsh and then we'd go across the street to the Public Garden, which was a great big giant park. It was really nothing there except green landscape. Um, they had uh, swan boat rides um, and then there was... Um, a pond like a, a, we called it a pond but it wasn't really a pond it was basically a great big bubbler um but people also would set up their little kiosks quote unquote um over there throughout the public garden um and sell their wares and it was such a fun time because you know i was a kid and it was great to be outdoors with my mom and she always bought me something from one of those kiosks whether it be you know one of those spinny pinwheel things that would spin when the wind blew or a kite or something like that um, and then we go over there and close by we go to that pond and it had the great big water fountain in the middle and parents would bring their kids there and um, you could run through the pond I mean it wasn't very deep I mean nobody was swimming um, but you could run through the pond and get wet and it was great on a summer's day because they had the great big water fountain and um, we'd splash around and stand under the water fountain and play together. And it was always a good time to just have fun as a kid. And it was absolutely wonderful. Uh, but the more I started to grow up, the more I noticed um, that even as beautiful and as exciting and as interesting as it was all the time to go to Downtown Crossing and the Public Gardens, there was also something very wrong with it, right? In all of those new experiences, I began to experience the newness of what was wrong with Downtown Crossing and Public Gardens and the place that I had loved as such a beautiful place. I started to notice the population that lived there. And I don't mean, see, now surrounding all of Downtown Crossing, it's kind of the Beacon Hill area, and um, our local state house is there. It has a great big gold dome on the top. It's beautiful. And around that is all of these beautiful brownstone apartments, multi-level, um, not apartments, they're homes. They're multi-level homes. So I had started to notice the people that lived there, not in those brownstone apartments and not in the residences, fancy residences that were close by. I started I'm referring and I started to notice the people that live there, like right there in the streets, on the streets. And when you talk about a sad group of people or a sad appearing group of people, to me, 
you know, these vote these folks invoked a level of compassion on the inside of me that I didn't even at that young age identify as compassion. I just knew that whatever was wrong and whatever their circumstance and situation was, it broke my heart. Uh, and it wasn't very long after that that I realized that these folks were like really much different than I was and much different than what I had experienced in my young life. And they were significantly different from what I had come from. And all of a sudden, my focus and my zeal for wanting to go downtown began to change. After that, I just wanted to go and be with the people and see the people. And I come to recognize their faces um, and look for them. <clears throat> um, you know, I wanted to be with these people that I had developed an affinity for. I no longer asked my mother to buy me pinwheels and chicken on a stick or arepas from the vendors. I started to ask for quarters to put in dirty cups and filthy hands that were always extended in search of some kind of help. I really think that that was the beginning and the development of my evangelistic calling. I was really drawn to what Jesus referred to as the least of these. And although I had really no idea what evangelism was or the gift of helps or outreach, you know, I was a kid and my only church experience was in the couple of years that I had spent in a Catholic church and catechism class prepping for what the Catholics call Holy Communion. Now, if you're a Catholic, you know what that is. And if you're not, that's a time where Catholics um, educate and prepare their young children somewhere between the ages of like seven and ten ish. Um, they prepare the young children um, that are about that age to um, receive the Holy Eucharist or the sacraments, right? The bread and the wine. They start to teach us exactly what that means. They start to teach us about Jesus and what he did on the cross and why we receive the, the Eucharist and all of these things. The, the tenets, basically, of the Catholic faith. So all I knew um, at that time about these people was that I desperately wanted better for them. I wanted to know how I could make a difference for them. And it kind of made, I kind of made my um, early life's focus, um, you know, being a pseudo missionary, uh, even at, you know, 10 or 11 years old. So I would save my allowance and take it with me when we went downtown, not to buy things for myself, but to give it away. I was giving away all that I had. I was operating in a measure of the Acts chapter 2 um, that I hadn't even read yet. And by the time I got to high school, I was involved in any and every club that I thought would position me to be a catalyst for change in the lives of other people. I was in Students Against Drug Driving. I was in Amnesty International. I volunteered at my local community center. I joined a group that went to local nursing homes to provide companionship to the elderly. And I think it was there at the nursing home that I truly discovered my heart for the world's sickness. And I was determined to be a nurse and a healer. And that became my focus, right? I was determined that I was going to heal the world of all of its diseases. So off to college I went, determined to, be, to heal the world and to be an extension of grace and compassion. And, you know, it tickles me to this day how God cultivates us, no pun intended, cultivate kingdom, 
Um, and he was definitely cultivating the kingdom on the inside of me. So off to college I went. I went to the University of Massachusetts at Dartmouth. And I had an amazing college experience. Not only being a young adult out in the world, observing, absorbing what it means um, to be adulting and working for my keep <laughs> through a work-study program, as much as that is working for your keep. I don't even know if they do work-study programs anymore. Uh, but while I was there, I encountered God. Now, this ain't deep to some, but it's deep to me. I tell this story all the time because of the gratefulness that I have um, surrounding this one encounter um, for all of my life, it overwhelms me. And it's a bit winded, but I'm going to tell the story anyway, um, because I think somebody will listen and it's my podcast. <laughs> so now keep in mind, right, I'm 18 years old and away at college. So yeah, that part, I was having a great time. Um, I had two girlfriends who I met while I was there and we had become the best of friends. So we were sitting where I worked for my work-study assignment, and I was fortunate because it was this fancy new part of the school. Um, it was kind of a centralized hangout location, although it wasn't supposed to be. It became a hangout location for the African-American students on campus, and it was called the Frederick Douglass House. So one particular night, right, I was about to get off of work and me and my girlfriends were all sitting around the table um, while I was kind of getting ready to get off and we were planning to go to a club and it was an 18 plus club that we were planning to go to and that was back when they had 18 and over clubs. I don't know if they still have those anymore either, um, but we were planning, a, uh, you know, uh, we were planning on what we were going to do. We were sitting around at the table and we were laughing and giggling as teenage girls do, um, talking about what we were going to do, what we were going to wear and imagining how we thought the night would unfold. And in the front door walked my encounter. This man named Paul Z. We didn't know him, but when he walked in the door, he was absolutely beautiful. He overtook us just in his walking through the door. He was tall, he was muscular, he was older, and, and he had a scar on his face, and that was pretty cool too, right? So he sat down at the table with us, and he introduced himself, and he started to talk with us, even though we were underclassmen. I mean, we were freshmen. And Paul went to our school, and he lived on campus with us in this cool place that we called the Dell. That was what it was called. That was where... Um, all the upperclassmen lived and the kids, quote unquote kids, that lived there were older. They were, you know, over drinking age. So needless to say, the Dell was the place to be for parties and an unholy good time. But you had to know someone who lived at the Dell in order to be invited. So this meeting with Paul Z gave us our entire lot in the desert storm, which is how he got the scar on his face. Um, you know, so we were even more impressed with him because we were like, oh, wow. And he came all the way back and went to college. This is, this is some kind of guy, right? So then, you know, we're, we're going back and forth. We're having a great conversation and we started talking to him about going to the club and he entertained us for a while before he completely killed the vibe. And turned our whole conversation from carnality to spirituality. He started to tell us about his walk with God and his life in Christ. And 
all of a sudden we were slightly less impressed with him. And, but hey, you know, he was still fine and probably our way into the Dell. So we were going to entertain him too. Nothing he said was impressive after we learned about, you know, the fact that he was a Jesus freak, right? And we even thought maybe he was a little weird. Um, but I think we wanted to see where the conversation was going or maybe we were just that compelled to hear him out. I don't know. But finally, he started to tell us about the Dell since we interrupted him and asked. Um, and we were excited as freshmen, not only to know someone who lived there, but that maybe there was a chance for us to actually get there. And, you know, Paul, even in his young discernment, um, he made a deal with us and he said, we could come down to the Dell and he would invite us down to the Dell if we would go with him and a few of his other friends to church. <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> and he meant that night, y'all. We, we, me and my girls, we were going to the club. And so Paul said, well, come to church with me. You'll still have time to get to the club. Come to church with me and, you know, I'll invite you all down to the Dell. So, okay, we thought about it. Now, one of my friends and her family, they were pretty consistent church attendees at their local church. But I, on the other hand, had no idea what to expect. But I wanted my chance to get to those wild adult-esque parties at the Dell that I had heard so much about. So my homegirls and I got dressed for the club and we went to church. <laughs> it was interesting, y'all. So a van pulls up on campus to pick us up, a van from the church, picks us up um, on campus and brings us to the church. And unbeknownst to us, when we got there, Paul didn't ride with us in the van. We rode with a bunch of other kids and Paul was there when we got there. And unbeknownst to us, Paul was a part of a local group that was performing that night. And I had never imagined that there could be a gospel rap group. Like, wait, what? Mind blown. So I was completely intrigued. And after they ministered, a woman and her husband got up and preached the word of God. And then it happened. After they preached the word of God and ministered to us, they came off the pulpit. And don't ask me what they said while they were preaching and teaching, because quite honestly, all I knew is that I needed the service to hurry up so that I didn't sweat out my hair and my makeup before getting to the club because, oh, we were still going to the club after church. So they came down off of the pulpit and they started walking around the sanctuary and laying hands and praying for people and doing this thing that I later found out was prophesying. Now, you know, mind you, I had grown up Catholic, so I had no idea what laying on of hands and, you know, prophesying was. So the woman had came over to me and she put her hand on my shoulder and um, she asked me my name. No, yes, yeah, she asked me my name and she started talking. And she started to tell me, you know, you're a lover of music. And, but that wasn't my calling. And I didn't know what she was talking about as far as the calling. I knew I was going to be, you know, the next Mary J. Blige. And that's all I knew. And anything else was a lie. Um, but she said it wasn't my calling. And she said that God was prepping me and calling me to be a voice in the wilderness. And that I had a heart that was burdened for people that were lost. Okay. Now that I'm a little bit more spiritually mature, I'm like, yeah, I get prophecy. Anybody could say that. 
And it could be true for anybody. You know, we're all a voice crying out in the wilderness. You know, blah, 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 blah. Right? But then she said, when you were little, your mom used to take you to visit homeless people and you truly loved them and you did as much as you could to show them the love and the tenderness of God. Mind blown. I just knew she had talked to my mama or something because there was no way that she knew that story. Um, so as she closed in talking to me, right, she said, Renee, stay close to God. There is so much more that he wants to tell you about what he has planned for you. Stay close. So that night, the church did an altar call. And not even knowing what I was doing, I just knew that this was my first chance at getting closer to God. And that night, I received Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. So over the next several years of my um, adulthood, I never really actually joined a church. I hardly ever really prayed because um, no one had taught me. And quite honestly, I was a young adult. I didn't care to know about that stuff. Um, I lived as anyone else did in the world, except I had a clear understanding and an awakening that God actually did exist and that he might, in fact, have a plan for me. But it wasn't until almost 10 years later that I would find myself connected to a local church and committed to a ministry that I knew would help me to mature and grow in the things of God. I had since graduated from nursing school, started working as a nurse, had my son, um, and, and that was that. And as I developed and, and learned how to pray and how to hear from God, I started asking him what on earth I was here for. I wanted to know what the plan was. I wanted to know what my heavenly divine assignment was in the earth realm. And one day he spoke in a vision and he showed me myself traveling and working with churches and giving seminars and showing others how to effectively evangelize the world. And so I thought it was completely crazy. I thought I saw wrong. So I went to my pastor and all he said was, well, Renee, if that's what God said, trust it and pray about it. That was it, y'all. That was all he offered me. So I did. Um, the year following, I had lost my job and I stayed unemployed for five years. Five years, the number of grace. Um, and even as a nurse in a field that needed healthcare workers, I could not for the life of me get a job. Despite the applications, I pounded the pavement could not get a job, but that was in the economy collapse. And it was absolutely crazy. Couldn't get a job. Um, and in that time, I continued to do what I knew. I helped people. I started an outreach ministry at my church because the one that we had wasn't quite functional. Um, and I got quite comfortable with serving others and leading others to Christ. I learned, taught myself and learned how to do it. I read, I bought workbooks on, you know, how to effectively lead people to Jesus. How do you minister the gospel? And I started to really develop ways to reach out into my own community. And I discovered how to effectively witness to them, minister the gospel of the kingdom and bring them to the church to be discipled. And then after my pastor started to see what I was doing and noticed that it was yielding fruit, he asked me to start a class and teach the church what I had come to learn and know. And so I did that. We started an evangelism class um, 
And I led an evangelism class and, and basically taught the church how to be a witness and how to lead people to Christ. Um, so when I finally did return to work, you know, by that time my unemployment was running out. Thank you, Barack Obama. Um, and I, I had to take what I could. I took what was available. I took what would pay the bills. And actually the position that I took, it wasn't even a job I was looking for. I didn't apply to it. A headhunter called me and asked if I would be interested in interviewing for the job. Um, you know, so I began working in clinical marketing for a skilled nursing organization. And I learned the intricate details of corporate marketing and business development um, data pulling, marketing plans, and all of those things. And I got really, really good at it to the point where I um, had been elevated to the VP of marketing at one point in time. Um, and at the same time, I continued to pray about what I was supposed to be doing for God. Um, and again, another revelation came. Um, and he said, help the church build strategic marketing plans that help build my church and bring the lost to salvation in Christ. Make my church more successful and more effective in soul winning. And so I did. And in 2018, I birthed forth Kingdom Cultivators. So what is Kingdom Cultivators? Kingdom Cultivators is a company that I founded that merges corporate marketing and business development strategies with the operations of church growth. It's designed to consult and advise with pastors and church leaders in the areas of evangelism, uh, digital and social media marketing, and church marketing. Kingdom Cultivators is um, structured to offer corporate-level de developmental insights that are practical in evangelism, soul-winning, and essentially growing the body of Christ and expanding the kingdom. Kingdom Cultivators is everything soup to nuts. So in this day and age, especially post-pandemic or semi-post-pandemic, we have a lot of agencies that are helping churches to grow, but typically only from a digital standpoint, right? So they're talking a lot about Facebook ads and Google ads and um, you know, digital marketing, automations, all of those things. However, Kingdom Cultivators is a little bit all-encompassing, a bit of an odd duck. So what Kingdom Cultivators does is we have the ability, especially because myself being an evangelist and having built several evangelism teams, departments, outreach departments, missions departments, um, and facilitate that on a church operational level. Um, because seriously and honestly, evangelism encompasses the entire church. The whole point of why the church body is here is yes, because of God's original plan back in the garden, right? When he gave us dominion and authority to take, take dominion and authority to, to um, go out into all the world, take dominion and subdue it. Um, yes, that was God's original plan. God's original plan was to have a people that he called his own, that were his children, that would love him and worship him, um, to have a family, to walk with us in the cool in the day, um, just as he did in the garden with Adam and Eve, right? So yes, that is, that is part of God's plan. 
but now we have entered, we have this sin problem. So we have people that are still left out in the wilderness that are without Christ. And that's why the Bible calls us who are in Christ ambassadors, us who are saved and who have come to a salvific revelation. We're called to be ambassadors in the earth. That means we are to be a representative of the place where we hail from. We hail from the kingdom of God. That is what we represent. That is who we represent. And we are to go out in the earth and be salt and light and display that as an ambassador on a governmental level, right? To take our authority, to stand in our position, and to show the rest of the world, the unclaimed, the unsaved, and the unreconciled, uh, the way to Christ. Uh, and that is by way of sh teaching and showing them and ministering to them and preaching the gospel message, which is that Christ came, he died for our sins to bring us back to God in a nutshell. But nevertheless, that is the whole purpose in the church, right? Is to reconcile God's people back to him, period, point blank, full stop. And the church is doing a really lousy job of that a really lousy job. We have gotten, especially now, I don't know what has happened to the church. This is not your mama's church. This is certainly not your grandmama's church. We have gotten so flashy and so program oriented and everything is about a show. Everything is about a program. Everything's about a procedure. Everything is about an event. We got more flyers than we know what to do with. And, you know, for me, when I see uh, church flyers, especially from some of my, uh, you know, fellow vineyard workers, I get really, uh, I really am cons I'm concerned I'm concerned is a good word. I'm concerned because these flyers usually tend to go out to other church people. So my question is, how are we winning souls ministering to one another? I have Jesus. I don't need you to invite me to a location where you're going to tell me about Jesus. Yes, I still need to be discipled and educated and edified and inspired. Absolutely. And those things are great. But what are we doing about the people who don't know Christ? And I feel like collectively as a body, we have... Um, drop the ball significantly. We have completely dropped the ball. We have left the people out there in the wilderness and went on to the promised land, crossed the Jordan River and was like deuces um, to those left back there in the wilderness. And the devil is a liar. We, you know, that is not what the church is called to do. We are called to rescue and save the lost and we're doing a really poor job at it. So, you know, I'm just a voice again, crying out in the wilderness saying, hey, wait a minute, we got lost church. We're not doing what we're supposed to do. We're not operational. This is having church Sunday after Sunday and program after program is not operational. The Lord ain't pleased. Um, so, you know, I want to help us as a church body collectively across the nation and across the globe get back to the things of God in the area of ambassadorship and evangelism and really and truly, you know, we all keep saying the Lord is show to come and he is, but he's not coming according to his word. He is not coming until all have been and, until the preach word has reached the entire nations corner to corner. 
And we still have areas and people that have not yet heard the true unadulterated gospel of Jesus Christ. If there are still atheists in this world, maybe yes, they have heard it, but there needs to be another that comes behind them and continues to minister the word of truth until their ears pop and hear it, until something jumps in their spirit. You know, this is where uh, apologetics, and we'll certainly get into that, and we'll have um, some guest speakers. I'm not I have a working understanding of apologetics. I can minister effectively um, for life transformation and spiritual transformation to people of other quote-unquote faiths um, and atheists, agnostics, those things. But I'm not an in-depth apologist, and nor do you have to be to be a carrier of the gospel, right? So we will do things like that on this podcast as well, because I think that those are beneficial and they are essential. We do have to have a basic working understanding of apologetics and how do we lead some somebody who's you know lost in Jehovah's in the Jehovah's Witness faith or the Mormonism faith or the Muslim faith or whatever it may be. So we do need to have a good working understanding of apologetics. But, um, you know, the, again, the church has just dropped the ball in the area of soul winning. And it's time for us to pick it back up and do the things that God has called us to do. And that's by whatever means necessary, right? Paul says, I become all things to all people that I might win one. So we need to use every single platform, whether it be social media, whether it be digital marketing, whether it be automation, whether, you know, whether it be through advertisement, uh, whether it be, it doesn't matter what kind of advertisement, digital, billboards, newspaper, if people still advertise in newspaper, not many, but they're out there. And are free opportunities people still read a penny saver and for free it's worth putting an ad in a penny saver it's free for pete's sake right um there are ways to advertise for free on facebook there are ways to advertise for free on google and the church especially if you're 501c3 we do not take advantage of these opportunities to advertise to the world to the lost and dying civilization where their um kingdom citizenship lies and how to find it so, you know, that's that's really my passion now is you know, assisting the church and getting back to the root and the heart of God. And that's, you know, his people and his children and being reconciled back to him so that he can walk with us and talk with us once again, like he used to way back in the day in the book of Genesis. Um, so, yeah, that's my that's really it, you know, and there's so many inner workings of evangelism that we kind of forget about. And I've consulted with tons of churches. And I am so tired of walking in a church and doing an initial consultation uh, with a church leader. And one of my very first questions is, you know, after, you know, tell me the mission, vision, and purpose of the church and tell me, you know, how it founded and some of those basic questions. One of the things I ask is, okay, so tell me about your evangelism team. Tell me about your outreach department crickets. I get crickets. And I'm always, you know, super heart pressed and um, a little depressed to come to find out that most churches that I have been in do not have an event, a functional evangelism team. And if they do, it's not a team. And evangelism has so many working parts. 
and your evangelism team, and I, I really don't want to get into a lot of it now because we're going to talk about the evangelism team probably in our next episode because uh, your evangelism team in a church needs to touch every single other department in the church because it all matters when it comes to evangelism outreach and church growth and your evangelism team has to be responsible so it's everything from the front door to the back door the entire worship experience when somebody comes to christ how do we organize and function and um and strategize our boots on the ground our street evangelism i once heard a pastor say that you know street evangelism is dead people don't walk the streets anymore and i think that that is absolutely a lie because if you go out and walk anywhere you know just because i have a car doesn't mean everybody has a car go to your local train station i live in massachusetts we have trains running in and out of boston all day long go stand on a train platform anywhere go stand anywhere on a line where there's a bus line anywhere you're gonna find people we have outdoor malls outdoor malls are public places to witness and evangelize and i think that there is still a place for outdoor evangelism for street witnessing for evangelistic crusades um to go out and be effective and, and to bear witness and to offer offer people it's only an offer right we're not putting people in the headlock and you know it's we're not preaching a turn or burn message which you know has its place as well if we be quite honest because for some people turn or burn today you don't know tomorrow is not promised to any man and that's the word of the lord um you could be here today and gone tomorrow so turn or burn what's your choice um so that message also has a place uh but you know we make an offer it's at least an offer and the church is not even offering Christ. I have been to church services where we have uh, my favorite part of the service. We get all the way to the end after all that shucking and jiving, dancing and shouting and praising the Lord, all the music, all the word, all the teaching. We get to the end of the service, have benediction and go home. And there was not an altar call. I tell you no lie. I tell you no lie, I have sat in, now I go incognito to lots of churches and just observe. Observe what their outreach looks like. Observe what their church growth strategies look like. Observe what their evangelistic outreach strategies look like. And, um, you know, I'm just, I'm heartbroken to sit in a whole service and there was not an altar call. I'm sitting on the edge of my seat praying, Father, till the heart to the souls of the people that need to come and, and receive a word, that need to receive their salvation. Let there be no hindrance, no blockages, no barriers. I, like I'm sitting there the whole service praying in Jesus name that someone comes to Christ and there's no altar call. There's no invitation. And I'm like, wait a minute, the church service is not making a call. We're not even making the offer, people of God. We're not. Um, so, you know, I just think it's because sometimes we don't have the right systems in place and we cannot expect the pastor to do everything. The pastor is a pastor. He probably and should have a measure or she should have a measure of every gift, right? So a pastor may have a measure of an evangelistic gift. They may have a measure of a teaching gift. They may have a measure of a prophetic gift uh, or an apostolic gift. 
but that doesn't make them evangelists and that's not their focus that's not where they you know bend their ear all the time or their mind all the time they're busy trying to pastor a church and lead sheep um and and in the church separate the sheep from the goat that are sitting right in front of them trying to determine which ones are really there um to learn to glean to grow and to disciple and which ones are there looking for titles positions placements money help whatever that else people come to church for other than jesus christ um you know, so the, the pastor's already overcome and he needs a, a team of people that will hold, that will be held accountable and responsible to the department. He needs someone that's going to come and undergird the ministry itself and do the work of an evangelist. And that's where Kingdom Cultivators comes in. We come in and we make an assessment of the church growth strategies within the church and figure out where there needs to be adjustments and assistance for the church in order that the church will grow and for the church to have an effective evangelism outreach and missions team and that all systems are go. Everything is in place from soup to nuts, from the beginning to the end. Um, so follow-up ministries, advertising, and, and the like. Um, but that's all I have for today. I know I've been rather long-winded. I get on a tangent. I, I just have a passion for the church. I have a passion for evangelism. I want to see the lost come unto salvation. I, like Jesus, am desiring that none should and that all would come to a life of salvation in Christ Jesus. But that's all I have for today, folks. I thank you so much for listening and staying with me. God bless you all. If your church does need assistance, I encourage you to visit our website at kingdomcultivators.com. If you do have questions, need help, please feel free to send an email to the ministry at um, contact at kingdomcultivators.com. I always answer every single email or I will in fact call you. We can set up a webinar, a Zoom meeting and chat about your ministry, about your church. You, we can discuss any issues um, or barriers that you may be having in the growth department. Um, so please feel free to reach out to me on any one of those avenues or on any one of the social platforms. I'm very active on all social media platforms, especially um, IG and Facebook. So you can reach me there at Kingdom Cultivators. And until then, God bless you all. Thank you for joining. I love you. Be blessed. And until the next episode, let's cultivate kingdom. Mm -hmm.